In Mark 11, 24 in particular, in 23 he says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. But verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, you can hear that scripture a lot of times, and sometimes... I have putting a big effort into bringing these things down. I mean, I understand that scripture quite well. I've seen such powerful results from that scripture. However, how do you bring that down? Well, uh, we've started here a few times in Hebrews 11.1. 1, and, and I'll just grab that one for a minute. Uh, now faith is this. This is in the Amplified Version. Now faith is the assurance the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. The fight we have is with our senses. That's the fight. Because with our senses we can see it, we can hear it, we can taste it, and so on and so forth. All the senses. And that's the fight we have with faith. Somehow we want to see it. And so the things that we need to see are are the things we can't see. It's the sense realm that destroys faith a lot of times. We want those senses. I wouldn't want to lose my ability to see. But at the same time, many of the things that Sandy and I have believed for they were long ways from being our ability to see them in the natural. But in believing for them, they came to pass. Uh, Moffat uh, translation says, Faith means that we are convinced of what we do not see. If I, I think if there's anything that I've seen over the years, and those of you that have been around a long time, uh, especially teaching other people, is the fact that they just aren't convinced or if they you can get them convinced they will receive whatever they set their faith for god's not a liar we have to deal with this if god says it that's the way it is whether you believe it or not if he says it if he says whatever things you ask when you pray when he says you should believe that if you'll just believe that that you receive them Said you'll have them. How difficult is that? I think another thing that, that I believe that the walk of faith is a decision. In fact, uh, I want to read something here uh, in Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1, again, I grabbed the amplified translation of this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice holy devoted consecrated and well pleasing to God which is a reasonable service the the key word there is decisive a decisive dedication a decisive determination see walking by faith is a decisive it's a decision. It's not a test or a trial. You know, I think that's the thing that's, that's rolled in me for years. So many people, you know, without 
faith is impossible to please God and, the, and these kind of scriptures, we understand that faith is so important. But so many people want to just try it out. Say, well, we'll try it and see if it works. Unfortunately, if, if a massive cancerous tumor just hits your body, is that the time to try it out? Maybe not. Wouldn't it be better to try it out with something similar? I, here, here's where I'm coming from. In a lot of things where we want to issue our faith, which is just about our whole life, how about if we start small? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with starting small? How about that headache you had last week? You know, or, or whatever. How about starting with that? How about a sniffle? How about an asthma, hay fever? Well, on and on, all these kind of things. Uh, what about starting with something simple? Now, what would you do with a headache? Well, you'd speak to the pain, right? right? But then you'd ask, you'd believe God to heal that, would you not? 24 says you speak to the mountains. Well, would that be a headache? Would that be a pain? Yes, but then we'd find out that Jesus carried that pain, so we'd just, just thank God for the manifestation of, of the healing of that issue, right? How about a toothache? Is this, is this so basic? But see, the bottom line is, if we start in something that's every day, Amen. we're prepared when something monster comes in. Or if you start every day and you're building your faith, but all of a sudden your friend has that monster cancer or, or whatever it is, whatever it is, it's so big, at least you've got some faith to move into the scene. But if you haven't practiced your faith, that one confession in prayer that availments, I walk by faith and practice faith. My faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I, I think about those prayer, prayer that availments confessions. They're so good. And I think about that. There's no scripture that says I practice faith. But at the same time, uh, that's what it refers to, practicing it. So that's for healing. How about a lost item? How about a lost item? How many times has God... Answer that prayer. How many times? But see, it's a practicing of our faith. It's, it becomes like a lifestyle. Because see, like in healing, you know, we can run for the aspirin. We can do all kind of things. We can, we can run to the ER. We can do all these things. Well, we may want to do that too. I'm not saying you wouldn't. In this day and age, if you, if you tell people not to go to the doctor, the next thing you know, you'll be in a lawsuit. But at the same time, what's your priority? See, I think we need to be in preparation for these things. Not only because it's pleasing to God, is that right? Those that come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder. How do you think God feels if, if we don't think He's a rewarder? How do you think He feels? Well, if it says that it pleases Him, if we believe Him, that must it mean it displeases Him. A bit if we don't believe Him, right? Huh? <laughs> Honestly. So faith means that we are convinced of what we do not see. So, you know, when we set our faith something, if we don't let the devil talk us out of it, or our flesh, or the your grandmother, or whoever it is that's there to do it. But here's what I want to do, Sandy, with the kids. I've got a story I want to read to everybody. Have them come in. I'll just jump jump ahead here a little bit. And uh, I want to read a story that takes me a little bit. 
I know that some are familiar with parts of this story, but I wasn't familiar with a lot of this story. Uh, it it kind of came up to me today, and I thought I would just go ahead and read it. This has got to do with a gentleman by the name of George Mueller. How many's heard of that name? Here's here's a testimony to begin this story. And this will take a little bit for me to read this. The children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I'll bring it in. Soon there was another knock on the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheels were fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk. It was just enough to feed 300 thirsty children. Now, I'm familiar with that story, but I didn't remember the rest of this. Because, you know, this is a story. You could say, well, that's about an orphanage and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this guy was... Well, let's talk about the boy. The boy was a thief. George Mueller was not always a person of such faith and of good character. As a young boy growing up in Germany in the early 1800s, he often stole money from his dad. As a teenager, he sneaked out of a hotel twice without paying for the room. One time he was caught by police and put in jail. As a Bible college student, George loved going to bars, drinking, gambling, and being the life of the party. He, was always, he always loved making fun of people, especially Christians. One day a friend invited George to go to an off-campus Bible study. He went only because he wanted to make fun of the Christians later. But to his surprise, he liked the Bible study. For the first time, he saw people who really knew and loved God. He attended each evening. Before the end of the week, he knelt at his bed and asked God to forgive his sins. George's friends saw a change in him immediately. He no longer went to bars or made fun of people. He spent more time reading his Bible, talking about God, and going to church. Soon he found that his friends did not want to be around him anymore. Anybody identify with that? When George took his family told his family he had decided to become a missionary, the father became very upset. He wanted George to have a high-paying job and not be a poor missionary. He told George they would not give him any more money for school. George knew he had to do what God was calling him to do, so even if Dad didn't support him. George went back to college without knowing how he was going to pay his tuition. He did something he thought was a bit silly for a grown man to do. He got on his knees and asked God to provide. To his surprise, an hour later, a professor knocked on his door. He offered George a paid tutoring job. George was amazed. This was the beginning of George Mueller's dependence on God. Almost dying turned out to be the best. After finishing college, George was ready to begin his missionary work in London, England. But there was a problem. Germany remained all healthy men. I mean, required all healthy men to serve at least one year in the army. George wanted to get to his mission as quickly as possible, however, he became very sick. His illness was so serious he almost died. It also made him unable to serve in the army. He's now free to go to England as a missionary. George became the pastor of a small church in England. The church wanted to pay him a good salary from the money it received, renting pews to rich church members who sat at the front of the church. Poor members had to sit in the back, cheap seats. George told them that 
this had to stop if they wanted him to be their pastor. Even so, he did not allow the church to pay him a salary. He trusted God to meet his needs, and God did. George and his family never missed a meal and were always able to pay their rent. George began to sense, however, that God had something else for him to do. Each day as George walked the streets, he saw children everywhere who had no mom or dad. They lived on the streets or in a state-run poorhouses where they were treated badly. George felt God calling to open an orphanage to, take care, orphanage to take care of the children. George prayed, asking God to provide a building, people to oversee it, furniture, and money for food and clothing. God answered his prayers. The needs of the orphanage were met each day. Sometimes a wealthy person would send a large amount of money or a child would give a small amount or receive a gift or for doing chores. Many times food supplies or money came at the last minute, but God always provided without George telling anyone about his needs. He just prayed and waited on God. More than 10,000 children lived in that orphanage over the years. When each child became old enough to live on his own, George would pray for him and put a Bible in his hand and a coin in his left. He, in his right hand and a coin in his left. He explained to the young person if he held on to that, which was his right hand, God would always make sure there's something in his left hand as well. It has been more than 165 years since George Mueller took in his first orphan. His vision continues today as Christians around the world are inspired by his faith to depend on God to meet their needs and the needs of helpless children. Anyway, I just thought it was an inspiring story of a man that, uh, you know, I'd heard the orphanage part, but I'd never heard the story of this man that just simply took time to pray for each step. And if I think there's a shortcoming in a lot of our lives, I mean, it's it's easy when you you hear about faith, and, and even some of us that like to teach about faith, the other aspect is, when do we walk in that? When do we use that? When When do we just simply park our our lives, you know, our aggressive lives of doing something to ask God to, to do some things instead of taking it on ourselves. Is that a good message or not? It's the little things that grow us into the big things. And, and I'm constantly aware of the, what I said earlier. So many times we get calls. People need prayer over the years. They've got this horrible thing going on. And now they want to learn faith. But they don't really want to learn faith. They just want us to pray because we look like faith people. I think the thing inside of me is not to find fault with them. I, I just want to walk through these doors and bring, bring this word of life into people's lives and the encouragement to go on because it, it fits every aspect of our life, whether it's, uh, you know, sometimes we, we think of healing, but what about, what about our money, you know, our prosperity? Where does it come from? Well, the word of God, but at the same time, but in Second Corinthians, why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, this, this can apply to uh, many other things. Many other things in our lives. Uh, you know, a lot of us are disturbed about our situation around the world right now, and Sandy would like to share a couple things, I think. But at the same time, we have to have the faith to believe that we might be calling some shots. You know, I've taught a lot about um, dominion, uh, the power of the gospel 
Well, for some, that's a little beyond them right now. I understand that. But for others, it's the fuel they need to, to be reminded that we do have a say. But just like in all things like the headache, we have to say it. If we don't like that headache, we need to talk to it. If we don't like what's going on in our nation, we need to talk to it. We need to speak to it. Well, that may be called intercession, and that word intercession may sound so complicated, and, but it really isn't that complicated. It's simply having a heart to believe, building our faith to, to a certain place, and having the, the, the gumption to just issue some prayers. Getting beyond ourselves. But I like the Mueller story. I was reminded that there are several things in there that, that, that the fruit of it was beyond himself, wasn't it? Yeah. But getting there was about him getting himself ready. That's right. See? That's right. So God's interested in the whole process, isn't he? He wants your life today to take on a, you know, a, a more and more because who knows what tomorrow may bring. We don't know. We don't know how massive uh, problems could be tomorrow, but if we, if we work on today and get, it, get things under control today in our own lives in terms of building our faith and working up these steps, these baby steps, you know, uh, but it gets down to that decisive determination. Sandy and I know a lot about determination, and the people that know us know that we do. We have a lot of determination. We've had some bruises in life that would have set people back forever. I don't mind saying that that we've been through it more than once when a lot of people would have just thrown in the towel and and they'd even would you know, people tend to do this too. They even turn against God. You say, Well I I don't think he loves us anymore. We never looked took that attitude. But we made decisive determinations to move on. And some of you are familiar with some of those, but but I, I can't help but think of, well, there, there's been some things. And I've, I've been accountable to these situations in that I never blame God for one of them. I realized that, that there were things, decisions we made from time to time that weren't good. They weren't bad. Wouldn't you call them sinful? But... Maybe some decisions that, that happened. And yet, we never gave up and never called God a liar, never said. I mean, it got pretty rough once in a while. But I know God's faithful. And I know some things that were in our hearts to believe for 20 years ago manifested. Some of them took 15 years. Some of them took 10 years. The time is, is not important. What is it in your heart? What is it that, you, you know, today? What is it? What is it in your life that you could believe for? That you could be discouraged about it because it never happened. Now, maybe everybody here listening to this or the sound of my voice, everything's just fine. But I don't believe that. I believe everybody has another place. You know, I thought about other areas to put our faith out. How about favor? You know, that's a good one. You know, we, we joke about it because, you know, like Sandy's got this anointing for a parking spot. And I guess her daughter's taken up on that one, too. Well, sometimes if I'm riding with them, I get to take advantage of that, too. <laughs> but see, what's wrong with expecting that? 
when we're in a situation, rather than, than get mad at, at the parking lot and say, oh, there's so many people, or, you know, I, I'm just using an, an illustration of how we could go the other way. How about just simply saying, well, Lord, how about, how about your favor now for parking? Wouldn't that be awesome? Do you know how happy our Father God is when we go to Him for this sort of thing? Do you realize that? How joyful He is when He fulfilled something we've requested? Brings joy to Him. Another thing, and this gets into another realm that we'll develop as we go, but it's being led by the Spirit of God. How about practicing that small? You know, rather than, well, are we going to go to Africa and believe in all our food? How about, uh, how about being led by the Spirit of God in everyday little things? You know, how about, how about that? You know, all these are things, they sound simple, but they, all these things are things that we just can go with by the arm of the flesh and say, you know, bless God, I can do this or I can do that or I'm, I'm going to go there anyway. I don't feel right about it, but I'm going to go there anyway. See, that's, that's, that's just a wrong attitude in here. In a way, it's, it's saying, well, God's not able to really lead me. I mean, that's what it's saying. We don't like to think that hard. But it's like saying, no, if I know better than God, then I'll just go override whatever it is in there. Well, those are the kind of things that, that uh, I believe works two ways. By honoring what the Spirit of God is saying being led by peace and so on, it can mean safety in the right situations, but it can also mean prosperity. Some of the things that have brought Sandy and I out of deep, deep despairing debt have been the Spirit of God moving, creating things for us to bring us right back out. But we had to follow that. You know, if you if you if you if you if you walk across the road and you fall in a hole, don't fall in that same hole next time you go across the yard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> leave that one alone. Even though it might take a couple of times to learn some of these lessons, that's what we need to learn. I still get right down to this idea: to walk by faith is a decision. And it's one that we don't do, I'm going to try it. So many people that we've worked with over the years, well, I'll try it. No, it's not. It isn't about try. It's kind of like your marriage. You're going to try it for a while? Well, people do that today. It's not a good idea. Because, you know, there's something about being deciding and dedicating to something. There's just something about it that brings on another force. And when you decide that God is your source and He's your provider and, and nothing's too small for Him and nothing's too big for Him, that's a good day. And, and what I'm reminded of when I'm thinking about these things is I'm thinking about there is coming a day, and it could be in our lifetime, we all want the rapture to occur before anything really bad happens, you know, wouldn't that be better? <laughs> However, what about that day that... Uh, Somebody's in downtown Paris, and all of a sudden, there's bullets, aggressive bullets, people trapped with, you know, 
What about that day? See, this, this is part of our preparation right now. Everything's great. Sunny day outside, peaceful town, this, this, this. However, uh, some of these situations occur when people least expect it. So this is a little downer side of it, but it isn't a downer side of it. It's this is our time of preparation. We can go to school now. What is it they say? Pay now or pay later. Take some time today or uh, wish you had of later. Uh, many testimonies from 911 that I've heard, there were several believers didn't go to work that day. They just didn't have a peace about it. So you say, well, thousands of people died. What about them? Well, I can't explain about that, but I can explain uh, about the testimonies of people that just somehow it wasn't right. You know in Paris, if, if there's believers over there digging out, you know there's people that probably were going to go downtown that night, socialize or go to that game or the concert or whatever. There will be people that will say, you know, I just didn't feel right about it and I didn't go. And there'll be others that may say, well, my friend didn't have a piece of backbone, but they went anyway. Right? Yeah. See, these are, these are where we live. <laughs> you know, sometimes the rubber meets the road, but I want to be that one that knows when I shouldn't go somewhere or when I should go somewhere. And, and you know, I realize I'm talking to people right now, many of, many of your season in this, uh, uh, with the voice that goes out over podcasts, uh, many of the people I'm talking to uh, need this preparation. So without saying any more, I just have to say that I believe that that's probably a part of the call of God on, on any minister of the gospel is to prepare the people to walk in these things. Amen? And my, my calling is somehow to ignite some of these teachers to go out and do their deal. That seems to be it. So, praise the Lord for all that. And I don't need to belabor this a lot more, but, uh, you know, the, Mueller made another statement, and I couldn't find that quote without spending a little more time, but he made a statement that, that faith will cause... Mueller was... Um, quoted as saying that faith will cause God to move over a hundred people to find one that believes. Or a thousand people. I don't know his exact quote. I just remember hearing it over the years because he knew when he asked God for something, he knew that he'd receive it. That's a decisive dedication. Amen? Uh, Let me just read a quote, one more quote, and then I'm done. And this comes out of Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. No person who allows his mind to be ruled by his senses can have victorious faith. The mind that is ruled by the senses lives in a realm of uncertainty. Until God's Word gains mastery over your mind, your mind will be swayed by feelings and not by things you see or hear, rather than by the Word of God. The mind and thoughts of those seeking healing must be renewed. They must be brought into harmony with the mind of God as revealed in the Bible and pointed out in his book. Faith for God's promised blessings is the result of knowing and acting on God's word. The right mental attitude or the renewed mind makes steadfast faith possible to all. God always healed when he can get the right cooperation. F.F. F. Bosworth. That's a classic. 
I read it quite a bit, have several times over the years. Anytime an abused bookstore, I see some of them, I buy more of them to share with people. Quotes of a man that I don't know how many people he saw healing in over a hundred years, excuse me, about a hundred years ago. So, Sandy, I want you to go ahead and share a couple things that are on your heart. But in the light of, of what's happening, it just want to, but listen, let's be encouraged. Oh. Because, see, God is working this to bring everything to perfection. He gave man rule, earth, but it, as we all know the story, it was stolen by, by Satan. Adam gave it away. And it was for six thousand years. Now we're 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 getting towards the end of that dominion that man is supposed to have on the earth that we can have through Jesus Christ. But but uh, I also was reading an, uh, another book, uh, growing up spiritually. And so we just need to know where we are in this whole picture okay this whole picture of we're we're nearing the end and there will be a perfect world but satan right now it's in ephesians this was really good i've been, been praying ephesians every morning every day for and the, it's the prayer in ephesians <clears throat> but then as you go on in ephesians like I say, okay, I've got my Amplified Bible to just to give you what is going on. He talks about how we're, how we're renewed with Jesus. But in the times past, we were following the course and fashions of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under control of the demon spirit that still consistently works in the sons of disobedience. That caught my eye. Satan is working now in the sons of disobedience. Those people that are not renewed. They're, they're, not, they're not born again. Jesus is not their Lord. And because Satan has been given more authority, more power, he's working harder than ever. He knows his time is short, but he doesn't believe it. He believes he's going to. So I think it's really important for us. We have got to know where we stand. We have got to know who we are. We have got more than ever. Because there's when you read the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10.32, and this is one of the favorite things, I think. There's three classes of people that the Bible is written to. We need to discern who it's written to, not just pick up a little piece out of it. We need to discern when it was written, and is it written to us? The three classes of people, and I won't turn to it, but it's, I know it's 2 Corinthians 10.32. The three classes of people are the Jewish people, the Jewish people, the Old Testament, and basically Jesus was a Jew. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even, even parts of Acts. That's the Jewish people. Then we have the Gentiles or the nations. Those are the heathens. Those are the people that are not Jews, and then we have the church. That's us. Mm -hmm. And and then in Acts, and then we go on. That's for us. Those are for us. Those words are for us. So when people get born again, they're like your babies. 
What, Mariah, what do you do with your babies? And Greg, you care for them. We nurture them. We don't expect them to know a lot, but as they grow. And that's the same way with baby Christians. They need to be nurtured. They need to be you know, taken care of and looked after and taught, taught. But then what happens? Then the baby Christians grow and they become carnal. Or this is the natural man, but then the carnal man. Okay, I'm still, I'm born again now. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I'm not really in this word very much. And, uh, you know, I still want to be coddled. I still want to be taken care of. I don't want to take the responsibility. I don't want to take the responsibility of where I stand, what I need to do. And, I, and then we have the mature Christians, the Christians that, are, that, are, that know, they know the word. And here's what I'm saying in, in these times. Do not fear. We are not to fear. But I do believe there is a responsibility on us as never before. We are no longer to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We're no longer to be going just to any old church just to have our ears tickled and have the music be well and have the children all happy. There was a time when the children used to sit and listen to. I did growing up. We listened and Ryan did too. We listened to the word of God. There is a time and it's just a few of us. There, there's only a few. But you guys, we can. We can change. We can help bring him and then maybe we can nurture these baby Christians but I just want to encourage you and I want to encourage you Gary I do and Pat and Don hey we're wagon wheels we all know what that means <laughs> and Ryan and Greg too we can't quit Gary we can't quit because is the word too hard no it's a decision, and I missed your sermon, all of it, but you, it's a decision. You said, it's a decision. And what is our decision? And then I heard Lyle say, this Lyle Weber, do you trust God? Do you trust God in what he's given you to do? Lyle of South, Af South Africa, he felt God told him, do you trust me? He said, of course I trust you, God. Now, you guys help me if I get this wrong. But, of course I trust you. Would you sell your car? Well, sure, I, I, I'd sell my car. Would you do this? Well, of course, God, I would. Well, what would you do if I told you to get rid of everything and go to America and go to Bible school? Whoa. He said he spent three months just the word of God and, and, talk, and, and, and learning about God's love and his faithfulness. He trusted God. And Lyle did that. Lyle sold everything I understand, and he went to Rhema Bible Training Center. He and Daniel are good friends. Mm -hmm. It is just, it's just such a neat hookup. And he said, it's been miraculous. If he had not trusted, if he had not spent time uh, in the Word, if he had not spent time first about God's faithfulness, it was rough. It didn't look, it looked bleak. Can you imagine? Here he came. Was he by himself? I don't know. Was he? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But if he had not spent time and become a mature Christian instead of a carnal Christian, he grew from the baby Christian to the, and the carnal, and he said, no, I, I, I'm going to become a mature Christian. 
I'm going to do what God told me to do. And he said he has been blessed beyond measure. God has provided. He said the second year of school came up. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. God did it. And I think that's where we're at. I see so many baby Christians. I see in churches, and I, I, I can say it, but like Gary said, where's the beef? Where's the teaching? How are we going to go on? How are we going to fight? How are we going to fight the sons of disobedience that are listening to the devil? How do we counteract that? You can't counteract it unless you have the word of God. And we can't counteract it unless we know that we know that we know that we are not to fear. But God has given us power and love and a sound mind. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit. And receive and insist on that power. In Ephesians, the first that prayer in Ephesians, according to the power that worketh in us, the love. It's not of our own doing, it's God. And that's just the visions that you have and the hunting that you're going to be doing.